Hello and welcome to Sports Talk, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and over the next number of weeks I'll be interviewing a broad range of sports stars and personalities in a nice relaxed and casual format. So far in the series we've had Ray Houghton, Niall McGinn, Rory Connor, Chris Kamara and Declan King. Our show is sponsored by the fantastic Medell Healthcare and we'd like to thank them for their continued sponsorship. This week's guest is presenter and commentator. It's Trevor Welch. Trevor, it's coincidence, but I'm having a chat with you on the second anniversary of your good friend, Pat McAuliffe. What a guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a relationship going back to the mid-80s with Pat. Uh, we came through probably together on Pirate Radio at the time, South Coast Radio on the North Main Street in the city centre of Cork City. You know, I knew of Pat before I met him, actually, because he did a lot of work with Cork Hibs, um, the team I supported mm-hmm. as a young fella. Cork Hibs playing out of Flower Lodge, which is now Christie Ring Park, Parky Ring. But uh, Pat would have um, been involved in the League of Ireland, so I would have, I'd have known of him. When I met him for the first time, it would have been around 1985, and he walked into the studio. I was on air, big, tall guy, uh, commanding figure, uh, the shades, the attitude. Mm-hmm. Um and, um, you know, we struck it all straight away. He's very witty and uh, probably one of the funniest fellas I ever met, Pat. A uh, great dry sense of humour, but, you know, we struck up a relationship, a relationship back in 85 that would last, sadly, up to the day he died on, on who would have believed that the 1st of April. And, um, you know, probably if he was to go out on any date, it might have been then because of his wicked sense of humour, you know, yeah. on, on April 1st. But, um, you know, yourself, Denise, you met him when you were in Cork um, during your own broadcasting time with Red FM in Cork and you know he's very giving of his time um, loved all sports um, he worked in all sports not just soccer did a lot of GA camogie athletics you name it Pat was you know there ready with a microphone uh, operated out of Cork uh, for RT sport for years and years and you know he's always a gentleman to meet and um, very knowledgeable very knowledgeable on sport and he gave so much to the game and um, uh, games in, in, in Cork Sport I only, I put a, a pad um, a, a kind of a football pad on, on his grave actually last week ahead of the local derby um, you might have seen it on Twitter ahead of Cork City and Cove Rambers and the local derby first derby in 13 years in the league and Pat would have given a lot to both both clubs and I was at the graveside again today and I laid a few flowers and you know I miss him I miss his voice and uh, he's, uh, someone like him is very hard to replace you know that's exactly it so many great memories. You mentioned me working down in Cork and gosh, we had some great nights. But the one night that stands out for me is, do you remember the race night for Cove Ramblers? And the three of us decided we'll put in a good few bob, we'll buy a horse and the horse won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, funny enough, um, ironically enough, as it was, Pat was, um, Pat was big into the horses, you yeah. know. Um, he would tell you he'd, he'd know a lot about horses but then again Pat knew a lot about more sports and uh, I know he was very keen on horses and you know he always had a great night when Pat was there because um, he was larger than life as you know and he, you'd feel his presence and um, you know I've just, just so many great memories and one of the great memories actually that not a, a lot of people might know is that you know Pat uh, in the good old days when he's driving the RT um, Jeep um, it's a great story he was, he was leaving Comas Park one night and going way back, uh, probably probably the nineties. And um, he's um, he's slightly he was slightly deaf in one ear, patch, you know. And um, he was driving the jeep, and uh, he did, he had a couple of jars in him um, at the time. And uh, he was driving from the club 
uh, touring a skiddy where you, you know yourself to get the boat mm. there and it would bring across the other side. But Pat woke up half of Cove. He had the um, he had the, the loudspeaker on top of the roof and he didn't know it was words to the radio and he had the radio full blast to uh, the police, Roxanne, you know. And Pat was singing away, Roxanne, with, with the, one of the neighbours in Cove phoned the police. The guards pulled him in and uh, he thought that he was going to be brutalised, you know, but they said, you know, you're after waking half a cough. <laughs> he had the, the radio on through the speaker. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, that was only one story. Pat, there's some great stories, you know, some, I suppose, you couldn't broadcast, you know. Oh, well, I was going to say that about uh, his uh, attire in Prague when I needed some equipment for Cork City and Prague. Let's just say the get-up of him when I knocked on his hotel door to meet him. But, you know, it was only Pat could do that. No one else could do it. Not even you, Trevor. It was just Pat could do that. Yeah, he just, he was, he'd wicked. He was a wicked sense of humour, like, and he'd, um, he'd whisper these one-liners to you, like, and you'd be on the ground laughing, you know. He'd, uh, he just, he could sum up a situation very quickly. But, uh, you know, guys like that, as I mentioned earlier, you just can't replace them, really, you know. And there's, I don't see any people coming through like, like a Pat McCall. Yeah. I think he's a one-off force of nature. I was just thinking of yourself, um, Noel Spalam, Colm Spalacci, Ken Tobin, Pat, Mickey Harris. You're like Cork's Rat Pack when I was down there. And you were like my bodyguards because if I went out with you on a Sunday night, I went out with the whole lot of you and I was minded. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, and as you know yourself, like Cork is a friendly city anyway. Yeah. We're, we're very lucky, um, I suppose, to be number one in the job we're in that, um, you know, we love sport anyway and we get paid for it. Then, as you mentioned, names like that, like Noel Spillane's a gentleman, Ken is, is a great fellow. We go back all that time to even longer than Pat, but the early 80s when when we started radio in the back of the caravan and talk and cork. But, you know, all very good, humoured people and very giving of their time. So I suppose we were blessed growing up in, in, in our industry and there's so many of them still involved today which is great. I was going to say about how radio has played such a big part in your life but tell us about that caravan in Toker. Yeah, that's where it started for me, uh, Denise, would you believe? Back in, I think the tail end maybe of 1983. Imagine in 2023 I'll be broadcasting 40 years. It's hard to believe. And you were only, uh, what, five or six was it when you started, yeah? <clears throat> yeah. Five or six, yeah. I was, um, I suppose, I was about 18 when I started. Uh, I remember going down one afternoon, I think it was Saturday afternoon, to a guy who owned the caravan, Mickey Daly was his name. I asked him, I cycled down, I asked him, I was only around the corner of my own house, which is great, you know, in Toker Parish, that's where I was born in Toker, south side of Cork City. And um, I asked him, are there any gigs? And he said, just send me in a tape, you know. But um, my brother... Thankfully, Noel was on the first pirate radio station in Cork in the 70s called CBC, the Cork Broadcasting Company. And he helped me make up a tape, you know. So I recorded myself on it. And he must have liked what he heard, even from a young teenager. And he gave me a go on weekends. And I was on with Ken, actually, Ken Tobin, for a bit. And I used to introduce a bit of sport. I was probably one of the first guys to do sport on a pirate radio station. I can't remember anyone else doing it. But, uh, you know, that led the way for me. And... um I was there for about a year when a guy on South Coast Radio started out then. Um, he, he's passed away since, Mick O'Brien, and um, he um, he offered me a job at South Coast Radio, which was a, kind of a, a little step up because South Coast had a big name. It was one of the, um, what you call the uh, super pirates, I suppose, in Cork at the time. And I moved there then in um, in 85 the following year, um, 84, 85 maybe, and around then. And I stayed with South Coast for a few years. Um, and then 
multi-channel TV came on stream, you know, local television. Mm -hmm. And um, they were looking for a sports presenter. So I got the job there, moved from radio into television. Um, even though radio is my first love, and I think I'll always love radio. Uh, but uh, it was a chance to go on television and to commentate on, you know, League of Ireland games. Cork City, and I did athletics there, boxing, the whole works. And uh, I ended up in multi-channel. I mean, I got the job in March 88, and I ended up there for 10 years, not alone presenting a, a Friday show and a Monday show, kind of preview and reviews. But I ended up there, you know, making great friends and great experience for me in front of the camera. And uh, I interviewed something like 14 world champions in that time in Cork. And I think, you know, to be fair, you know, in, in a city and county like Cork, you've got great opportunities because you yeah. and I yourself need to be known there. You know, Cork has stars in every sport, yes. like whether it's road bowling, rowing, athletics, boxing, tennis, the usual ones, rugby, soccer, GA. You know, I was blessed to get in there then and uh, met great friends and was commentating on Cork City matches for 10 years, doing a lot of League of Ireland stuff and um, travelled to World Cups even out of out of a small building in Cork, multi-channel. And that really stood to me when I made a break into the first independent television company then, our television network in, in, uh, in Ireland, uh, TV3, back in uh, the summer of 98. The games that you got to commentate on, you know, there were some absolutely huge games, like Champions League games, as you said, the World Cup games, FA Cup finals. What was the highlight for you? I suppose there were, there were a good few highlights. Um, I suppose when I was in multi-channel, like I, I, I was very lucky, Denise, I suppose, in my career. Not a lot of people know it, but I've had a few firsts. I was, I was on top of a building in Cork City Centre when Cork won the double in 1990. I was commentating on that live on top of a building in Cork when the, the bus was coming through down Patrick Street and the place was absolutely thronged when Cork won the double hurling a football Thomas Mulcahy and um, Larry Tompkins were both captains and I swapped the cups an unforgettable time you know so I went to Moscow in 1989 when Cork City played a first ever game in Europe Cork City against Torpedo Moscow you know so they were the kind of first and real huge experiences that I, that I wouldn't forget you know I walked on Cork City playing Bayern Munich in Mutcliffe Park in the early 90s, Dave Barry scoring in a one-all draw, you know, and then to go on to TV3, which those experiences really stood to me. Yeah. Uh, TV3 got the rights, as you know, in 2000 for the Champions League. You know, I think TV3 took RT by surprise back then because RT wouldn't have expected any challenge, I'd say, from TV3. But, you know, I'm commentating now 21 years running on European matches. And I suppose the highlights would have been doing my first ever match at Old Trafford because being a big Man United yeah, fan... Yeah. I would have commentated on the streets as a 12-year-old with a pretend broken microphone and to end up in Old Trafford and to think back as a 12-year-old Trevor Welch in the streets of Cork with all my buddies around. Like if someone said I would have been, I would be commentating in 20 years' time at Old Trafford, I would have to, you know, you'd pinch yourself in a million to one shot. But lo and behold, there I was in 2000 at Old Trafford, Man United PSV Eindhoven in a hotel across the road the night before. I could hardly contain my excitement. And that was a huge standout for me to actually commentator Old Trafford then to commentate in FA Cup finals in Wembley where I would have you know, done pretend commentaries as a kid when Man United played Liverpool for example in 77 I would have commentated and that's in my, my child's eye mind yeah. and then to do an FA Cup final with United in it against Crystal Palace was unbelievable and I did you know two Champions League finals I did something like a total of 14 European finals I did the first ever commentary on a European final in Ireland which was the Europa League in 2011 two Portuguese teams, Braga, against Porto. And, you know, to commentate, and that was a huge milestone as well. 
did a few GA games from Crow Park for TV3. So, you know, there's a massive, massive um, satisfaction looking back in, in, in those achievements, I suppose, and, you know, to get that experience on, on, on television and to continue working uh, on European matches with Virgin Media now was great, only for, as you know, Virgin Media have lost the rights now going forward yes. with, with the bombshell news only a couple of weeks ago. So that's a huge blow, but we still don't know who's, who's got the Irish rights, but you'd hope I'd be involved in some way uh, because uh, obviously I've been commentating in European matches, as I mentioned, for 21 years running. I'd, l- I'd love to keep that going, you know. Lots of stories, Trevor, but there's one I think that stands out for me with your commentating. Jose Mourinho and Custard Creams. Oh, yeah. That will go down the annals. Um, <laughs> I, I think if anyone wants to see it, it's still up on YouTube. I think there's It's like Chris Kamara on that missed red. This is it. Yeah, yeah. That was... I tell you how it happened, how it came about. Um, I was at Stamford Bridge when um, Chelsea were beaten by um, Inter Milan. Mourinho came back with Inter Milan yeah. to knock Chelsea out. So it was 2010 in Milan. Obviously, Inter Milan went on to win the Champions League. But Mourinho was making a point that uh, he loved custard creams, you know, they're his favourite biscuits. And he knew where they were hidden in the cupboards at Stamford Bridge. And the, uh, and the, and, and the ladies in, in, in there would, would know... Uh, they were his favourite biscuits and had a few stacked away from him when he came back even as Inter Milan ma- manager and he made a point of that that he went to the, the cupboard and got his custard creams but as you know like in, in a situation like in the Champions League the managers are only obliged to do two interviews yeah. so the, the host broadcaster um, and um, one, one other then uh, which would be one of the big players but TV3 had signed to be fair we'd have been about four to fifth on the list and you have to take a chance you know, and I knew we were live up to kind of 10 o'clock. And um, I see Mourinho coming down the, the, the corridor and he was taking biscuits out of his pocket and eating the biscuits. And I asked the UEFA guy, he says, look, can I just grab one one question? Just one very quick question. He goes, okay, just one very quick one. Two max, he says. So we were live and I was running, but Mourinho didn't know we were live. And I just said, Jose, well done tonight. What was that like coming back to knock your old club out of the Champions League? And he was eating the biscuits and he goes, sorry, he couldn't talk, you know. So I had to, I had to engage with him then because we were live. And I said, we're live, Jose, but uh, are they your favourite biscuits? Yes, I love uh, custard creams. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, well done. Then he apologised, said, sorry. You know, it went, went all over uh, YouTube, all over the place on Twitter. But there, there was a follow-up then a couple of years later when he won again with Chelsea, the Champions League. And I presented him with, a, with, a, with the, the Costa Cream biscuits on our, just to remind him of our previous. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, I think, around Ireland were wondering why is Trevor giving Jose Marino biscuits? But there was previous and he did get the joke and um, he took the biscuits anyway in the end. And um, I, I think that went viral that that time on uh, you know, I'm all over Ireland. But I know people who question it, but if they lost, I wouldn't have done it. You know yourself, you and use... Listen, you have to do it. And it's it's all about, in our game, taking a chance. But sure, you and Jose, you know, you're like old pals now, is it? <laughs> yeah, I've been with a good few times, but yeah. I know some people were having a go off me for, for presenting. Why would I do something like that? But as I said, like, if, if they had lost and the moment was, exactly. wasn't there, I wouldn't have done it. But I knew he was on a high and I knew he's a good sense of humour and he would have seen the funny side of it. And I brought the biscuits just in case yes. and I had them in the bag. And the, the, the opportunity arose and I, and, I, and I took the chance. And as you said, you know, they're great memories then to have like as well. And uh, he, he saw the funny side of it, which is great because I think Mourinho is, you know, is a great character anyway. From 
being a producer of your show down in Cork, I know how much work you put into to your work. But how do you prepare for games, especially for big games like the Champions League finals or even just European games, obviously, with the language barrier and then also pronouncing names? I suppose, like, there's a lot of tools to the trade, you know. Um, I mean, it is it is um, a unique position you're in, but I think you, you learn as you go, you know. Like, mm. um, what I know now, um, if I knew back then, as a fella said, but you learn as you go, and there's a few tricks to the trade. And I think for me, obviously, the preparation is huge side of being comfortable when you're sitting down when the match actually starts to have your homework done. It's like anything, doing your homework for exams or whatever. And, you know, I suppose it's like, I, I kind of um, liken it to putting out a skeleton and putting all the meat onto the skeleton then. And mm. um, obviously you're doing, there's a lot of sites now, obviously, where you can get a lot of information. Yeah. And, um, you know, I work hard on it. Um, going to various sites, my own knowledge of doing previous games on teams, um, a lot of times there's English sites there which you know a lot about anyway watching them live watching matches there you're taking your notes and players um, then I suppose the pronunciation you know this place you can go like I, I, I actually ring up some of the embassies yes uh, good idea yeah and ask we say there's a Croatian team involved like Dino Zagreb we'd say we knocked Tottenham out of the Europe League last time when I had them um, you know I would ring an embassy and uh, the uh, Croatian embassy and um they would talk me through it, the names, how to pronounce it, or there's Google Translate, you know. Yeah. If you're at a match, you, there's always somebody there that will go through the translation with you if you're at the ground. But we're not going now, obviously, with the COVID. And, you know, even before COVID, I wasn't going to as many games. Um, I suppose through the noughties, I went to all the games. They just restricted it to the big games after that. But, you know, it's it's about, I suppose, just doing the homework, really. And um, you, you learn little things. You know, as as time goes on, like if if two players look to like on the pitch, you look at their boots, for example. Yes, that's one would be wearing orange boots, one would be wearing yellow boots. You know, there might be two ball guys playing up front, and if 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 one of them scores, you don't have to drive in. You can take your time because you only get six replays anyway. The key anyway is to have, you know, your your homework done. Yeah. Have 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 kind of strong lines. Um, leave, leave the game breed. Don't talk all over the goals. Leave, leave the game breed. Um, use, use your strong material like throughout, throughout the match, you know. But, you know, it's, um, it's, it's something I had to work hard on over the years. And, um, you know, I suppose any commentator would tell you they're still learning themselves and still want to make it better. It's like playing a match, I suppose. You always want the performance to be top notch, you know. We mentioned the games that you covered and from working in Cork and you telling me stories. I know about lots of people that you met. What one stood out for you that you interviewed, you know, or who was it that you really thought that was it, you know, I made it? I suppose the ones that I got the most satisfaction from would be Alex Ferguson anyway. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was lucky enough to interview Ferguson about four times and um, I was lucky enough as well that every time I interviewed him, they, he actually won. I never got him on a bad day, but... Um, there was one interview in particular really, really stands out to me when they beat um, when they beat Schalke to, to qualify for a Champions League final. I went back, um, you know, to talk about yeah. Wembley and what that meant under Matt Busby when United played and won it in '68 against Benfica. And I talked him through all the great United players that time, and you know, it was a very long conversation. 
and um, he was in great form. And I think that was one of the interviews that, that stood out for me. You know, interviewed Roy Keane yeah. a couple of times, um, Ryan Giggs, uh, Paul Scholes, you know. So I've interviewed some of the greats. And, you know, I suppose I was only looking back at the documentary in Jack Charlton the other night, God rest him. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that documentary was, was tremendous, um, uh, Finding Jack. And I couldn't help thinking back, you know, when I went to the World Cup in 1990, that led the way, obviously, that's, I don't think that will ever be matched again no. in Italian night. And um, to look at, I was only saying to a friend of mine, you know, we were behind the goal when Kevin Sheedy equalised against England in Calgary. And I end up, ended up working with eight of the 11 starters that night. I ended up in commentary boxes with eight of the, the 11. And again, if you said to me, that would happen, I'd, yeah. I'd say, you're dreaming, that would never happen. But, you know, so things like that bring a huge satisfaction. And, um, you know, I suppose I was lucky too. And we're, we're, you know, a lot, a lot of the the ex-Irish players are, are pundits now, as you know. Like, yeah. and, you know, we're blessed to have some really good pundits come out of Ireland. And I was blessed to, to to spend a lot of time with them. And you're learning from people like that, obviously, as well. You know, like the likes of Mick McCarthy, Kevin Moore, you know, Frank Stapleton. Work with them all, Ray Houghton, Ronnie Whelan, you know, Townsend, Andy Townsend, you know, you're, you're learning from these people. And um, I suppose I'm blessed really to, to have been in that position, you know. I know that we used to have Ronnie on the big red bench. It was just a standout. And then another one that I always remember, and I remember telling my dad, and he was so envious of me, was poor El Moss Keane. You were mentioning them, it kind of brought back memories. If there's one person, I suppose seeing that you've interviewed so many great people one person that you would have loved to have interviewed if you were back then I suppose in the 60s as a United fan probably one of the Busby babes or maybe Matt Busby but one person that you would have given anything to I was lucky enough that I was always a huge George Best fan I was going to say Best yes I'd have, I'd have interviewed him but um, Bobby Charlton um, I'd love to interview Bobby Charlton um, you know I was a huge admirer of him as well and Matt Busby himself I mean Busby was um you know, the guy who set the tone for the Champions League, European Cup, it was his dream. And uh, he eventually got the Holy Grail, but he, he led the way in that, you know. It was his foresight for, for a European Cup to get the best teams in Europe to play against each other. It's changed competition now, yeah. of course. Instead, but I'd love to interview Matt Busby as well, you know. Um, you know, I've always been a huge admirer of Pele as well. Pele would have been a big favourite of mine. And, you know, there'd have been other sports as well, like... Um, you know, Muhammad Ali, I was, I was fortunate. I, I met Ali, but not in, not in his uh-huh. best of health. Like, But when he was in the best of his health, I'd have loved to interview Ali at his prime. Bjorn Borg in tennis, I just love Borg, you know. Watched him as a kid in the in the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, I buy a lot of his gear now at the moment, the, the Bjorn Borg clothes. But people like that, I'd have loved to interview Borg, you know. And uh, in a music sense, like, I'd be a huge David Bowie fan, as you know. I'd have loved yeah. to interview Borg. So it would have been my dream interviews if I ever, ever had a chat show. Yeah, because the thing about you is everyone obviously knows you for the sport, but you're very into music and uh, you're not a bad old singer now. You can give a tune or two. I used to remember <laughs> you uh, singing Denis Denis to me, but yeah, you you love your music. Yeah, I love music. I, I, I suppose I grew up um, with you too. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to see them when I was a young fella, 1982. I think it was, yeah, 82 for the first time. I've seen you two about 18 times, like, but I've seen you two in the City Hall in Corkwood, I believe, in 82. I remember there was only about 800 people watching them in a bouncy floor, a big hollow wooden bouncy floor in the City Hall, and I was just mesmerised by Bono. And um, you know, I met him 
um, a few days after us in Joey's Hotel in Cork. And I met him again um, when I was working with TV3 in the mid-noughties in around 05 in Reynards. I told him about those great times um, in the City Hall in Cork. And he actually said, sit down and had a chat with him. About oh. eight, the lads in TV3 were, were timing me to see when he'd tell me the F off, you know. But, um, <laughs> about eight minutes with him and um, you know it was great to meet him because I'm a U2 fanatic yeah. and uh, you know I love a lot of rock music I love The Doors I love Rolling Stones but U2 would be my favourite and Bowie obviously is is an all time favourite I just love Bowie's music but I have crates and crates of records I DJ'd in Cork um, through the 80s and 90s uh, so I still have crates fish boxes you know the big fish crates of yeah. my full of them I've thousands of CDs, CDs, thousands of music books. So I'd say my music, my love for music would be on par with my love for sport, to be to be honest. You know, and, you know, I was lucky to bring out that book as well, The Jolly Roger, yeah. 2015, when we captured our pirate radio DJ days from, um, from the 70s and 80s. And, you know, without pirate radio, I think I, I wouldn't have had a career I've had, to be honest with you. I was going to say that to you, without pirate radio... A lot of the great people that we know out there, I know Mike McCarthy from RTE and he was telling me about it and um, Declan King. There's so many great guys and then a lot of them had to change their names, obviously, and they were under aliases when they were with the radio, but Pirate Radio paved the way. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, I, I used to go with the name of Trevor Stevens uh, from the footballer, uh, the former Everton player, Trevor yeah. Stevens. And, um, yeah, my brother was an old Evans <laughs> but uh, so you change your name for the fear of being caught by the guards and they confiscate your priceless record collection, you know. Um, but some people just made up the names, make it sound exotic, like and exciting. And dusty you know? roads and stuff like that. Dusty yeah. Roads, yeah. But I mean, you look at all the RT fellas, the All-Star from Pirate yeah. Radio, uh, Jerry Ryan, God rest him, you know, Brian Dobson was on Pirate Radio, Dave Fanning, you know, Mark Hagney, they were all on Pirate Radio. Uh, John Creedon, you know, in Cork, the likes of PJ Coogan, myself, Nick Prendival, we all started on the Pirates. And uh, that was, um, you know, it, it was a great experience for us to get us behind a microphone, to have the confidence to be able to speak through a microphone to an audience, you know. You talk about people that you met and admired. And when I told people that I got the job in Cork and that I was going to be producing your sports show, it was like, oh, Trevor Welch, like, you know, Trevor Welch. And when I went down to Cork, you were like a lord down there. You know, everywhere we went, Trevor, it was just everyone used to know you. We'd go into Reardon's and everyone was around Trevor Welch. It was amazing. You kind of are easy going anyway, so you, you don't mind uh, the, the fan club. <laughs> yeah, it, could have, it can have its pluses like in the drawbacks as well. I mean, you know, it's great for nightclubs and you're, you're not queuing up like yeah. even though you're kind of, I'd be kind of, shy by nature I wouldn't be cocky like and you I'd be kind of shy passing the, the crowd like and they'd be shouting at you oh yeah 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 I'd travel well to get in there and ahead of us all and uh, could be embarrassing but still it had its pluses definitely but you know it had its drawbacks as well I've, I've, I was often in a chipper like and fellas throwing chips at me you know and saying there's the, the langer like off the telly you know and mm -hmm. things like that but um, you know you get over it though and by and large I mean people would be good to you, you know yourself, it'd, yeah. it'd be positive. But you'd always get a few negative fellas. But you'd have to, when you're in the public eye, you have to expect that, I suppose. And you have to, you know, you have to grow a thick neck, I suppose, and um, be resilient. And, um, you know, but by and large, 90% of it was good banter. And, um, you know, um, 
you know, I, I suppose you just expected any any of the negative stuff and you take some of them on board and if it's going to improve you, like, fair enough, you know, you have to take some constructive criticism too, everyone does. Well, only for you, I would never have known what the VIP section in Reardon's was. Now, I know it's all changed now since we were down there. You came back home to Cork and you've got your own sports show on 96FM and they actually team up with Talk Sport in England. Yeah, it's great actually, Denise. Um, you know, I I present a show every Sunday anyway with 96FM at the score and uh, we were lucky enough to win Best Sports Programme in 2019, uh, which was great um, because uh, it's a show I love. I always, mm. you know, growing up, love a show with sport and music. As I said, my two loves are sport and music and I can combine the two yeah. on the score on Sundays we play music. Some of the music we play obviously wouldn't be my taste. <laughs> if I had my own choice, I'd be playing a lot of different music on it. Um, but, um, you know, we're allowed a fair bit of sport in it, which is great. And, um, yeah, talk sport. Then the wireless group owned Cox 96FM, C103, LMFM, uh, Dublin's Q102, um, Life, uh, uh, Live 95 and, uh, FM 104. They own six stations across Ireland, wireless group, and they own talk sport. Last year, you could just go to the 96FM app and download talk sport. It just, uh, tune into what they were putting out in England. But this year, they decided to have uh, an Irish uh, output. Um, so <clears throat> we have our studio in Broadcasting House. So I presented every Saturday, uh, 12 o'clock to half past seven, three live commentary matches. And I bring on my own guest, Alan Cawley, comes on with me as a regular podcaster. But I've had, you know, some big names on. Yeah, you know, Kevin, Kevin Sheedy's been on with me. You know, Mark Lawrence and Ray Houghton. I've had uh, a lot of good guys in the UK on with me. Tony Cascarino was on with me. Kevin Ratcliffe on with me. Um, so, you know, it's it's supposed to use your context to get these people on. Um, so I'm lucky that I have a big context book. And, you know, it's it's very rewarding to be presenting a show, I suppose, as high profile as the Premier League. And um, it keeps you in there as well. Like, and um, watching more of the English game, you know. And um, I suppose it's... Um, it's, uh, it's it's very rewarding. It's a long day, but it's uh, it's very rewarding, and I really enjoy it. You know, but it's what you love, Trevor, as well. Even when when I work down there on a Friday, uh, if you were down early from work, go to the cross, and then some Saturdays we decide after the show finished, we'll drive out to uh, out to Coleman's Park and go to games down there. So if you're if you're not commentating or watching a game, you're at a game. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know it's great that um, I suppose we've. Not great for Cork City, but it's great we have local derbies this year as well. Um, Cork City and Cove obviously mm-hmm. played in the opening night of the new Electricity League First Division last Friday. Um, and I was working on that one. Um, so we're media partners now, 96 to Cove Ramblers actually this year. Oh, great. Uh, and it's, um, it's, 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 it was great. Ramblers played really well. Great, great football. Cork City came up with the bragging rights, but I think a draw is probably a fair result. But it's going to be an exciting season. See can Cork City get straight back up. Obviously, it's very disappointing after what Cork City achieved in the last few years under John Caulfield. You know, yeah. winning the double in 2017. Who would have thought a few years later we'd be in the first division? Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, hopefully Cork City can bounce back. Colin Healy at the helm now. And, um, you know, they have a good squad. And hopefully, 
you know, Cork City and Cove Ramblers will be in the running for promotion coming the end of the season. You were just saying it last week at the Bowes game, I'm glad Longford Town aren't in that first division this year because it's going to be extremely tight. You look at the results last weekend and as you said, a draw would have been the fair result. I know I was waiting to slag poor old Gary McSweeney afterwards, but City did win that. But, if, you know, you're looking at fixtures and you're going to say... You know, anyone can get three points or get wins in these, you know, in these fixtures. It's going to be, you know, there's no home advantage anymore. Yeah, yeah, just the times we're living in, mm. which is a pity. And, you know, I was only saying that that derby would have attracted, as you know, yourself, oh, like cross. five or six thousand yeah. to Ronald's Cross. And, uh, you know, but I suppose teams at home will still feel that they should be getting the results. The onus is on them to go and mm. get, get, get the points. But... You know, um, it's going to be a very tough division to get out of. It's the call of the graveyard. As you know, Longford did really well to get yeah. out of the last season. And um, I think Cork City and Ramblers could be there, thereabouts. Obviously, Shelburne will be the favourites. Strong uh, John Coffey will go with the Beast, Bray and UCD. You know, they're yo-yo clubs. They keep going up and down. But any any one of six or seven like we'll be in the running for it so it's going to be really tight. As I said earlier on, you were always kind of a, a protector of me and a minder. You've now got somebody very important in your life that you mind. Yeah, a little girl, Lola, yeah. Um, she'd be four in September and uh, already I've her up in the front garden with her own goalpost in football yeah. and she's, uh, she kicks in straight lines, she's good and uh, she's a great little runner, she's very quick uh, but she's a great character, and um, I hope she does pick up the sports gene for me and uh, and the music gene. She, she dances away in the kitchen. She loves dancing, loves music. So does she dance better than you now, Trev? She, she's she, she's getting there. Like you know, mm-hmm. I'd have been a serious dancer in my day, but uh, <laughs> oh, I know, but, I've seen those moves. I've seen those moves. But she's uh, she's getting there. But um, you know, it's great. It's uh, you know, it's tough from COVID as well. She can't yeah. see friends and getting to school, and she's asking me what it's all about and. Mm-hmm. You know, when COVID's finished, can we do this and can we do that? But, um, you know, it's a great distraction for me, I suppose, because um, I get to do things with her as well. Like, and, you know, she's, she's a great little character. You know, we talk about COVID and it being so serious, but in some ways, aren't we blessed that we were able to go to matches and that we have sport on the telly that we're able to talk about and to, to write up about or whatever? Yeah, it's we're lucky, really. Like, it's, uh, it's a godsend that... You know, I suppose we've elite sport, um, and and hopefully the GA now get the green light to get back soon as well. But um, you know, if it wasn't for sport and television, I mean, I'm watching matches there every night of the week, and um, I'm lucky like that I've you know could get to Dublin to out of my home in Cork to get to Dublin to to do the Champions League and Europa League matches, international matches. Without that, I'd say you know because as you know yourself, I have to research a few days beforehand, mm. so. In that respect, I'm working every day. You know, if I have a match on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you're working from from the Sunday, really. And I'm a radio show Saturday and Sunday, so it's nearly a full week when we have matches on. So I'm very lucky in that regard. I, I'd probably go off my head uh, if, if it wasn't for that, you know. Yeah, exactly. What would we do without without sport? We always say that, and I think when we had those months when there was no sport at all, and I would say no disrespect to people, but what do you do without sport? That's just it. Like, I mean, I suppose I've been involved in sports since I was a kid playing. I played, you know, soccer all the way up in school boys at the Monster Senior League. And I've uh, I've always been involved. And I played a bit of GA, played a bit of tennis. And, uh, you know, I, 
be like you, I'd say, watch any sport um, that's on television, boxing, golf, tennis, whatever whatever it might be, rugby. And, you know, Six Nations was great this year as well to watch. Yeah. It's a fabulous Six Nations. And um, we're just lucky that, I suppose, nearly every night of the week, we have a choice. And uh, if I was working, I'd record stuff and go back on it. So, you know, other than that, then I'm reading books. Just finished Roy Keane Origins book. Uh, I was in the middle of champagne football. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'd read any sports book. I love biographies, people's books as well, you know. So there's a, there's a load of um, books out and a load of books coming out now as well. Uh, there'll be a whole feast of them coming out. But, um, yeah, I suppose without... Without, uh, without sport, I'd be lost. It's a- Thank you so much for this. I'm hoping that there will be a chance when I'll be able to get to a to a game. I, pr- I promise you the lads down in Cork will try and get down to Cork, but the limit and press boxes and that you never know. But I hope to bump into you and the rest of the gang. We mentioned beforehand about uh, Pat McAuliffe, and I know Cork have lost a lot of good people in the last while, but we also lost a couple of months ago a good friend, Fimber O'Shea. Yeah, he's a great supporter. Um great supporter of uh, of Cork City um, and um, you know his characters like that like yeah. these volunteers that they keep they keep the clubs going don't they really yeah. you've um, you know always had a, a welcoming smile yeah. and uh, talked you through the game and uh, you know you know what you get from Finbar like he's he did everything uh, for Cork City a bit like Noel Feeney did yeah Lord of Mercy Noel yeah you know, Cork City were lucky to people like that, you know. Yeah, we got to know Finbar in 2000 in Longford Town's first season in the Premier Division. He just got chatting to my dad and that was it, himself and Shawnee, Shawnee Feeney. And that was a friendship. And when I moved to Cork, don't worry, girl, don't worry, girl, I'll mind you. And basically that was it. Had his number and an odd time that I was stuck for a lift out to Coleman's Park. The little van had picked me up and we'd go off out to to a game out there. He was so good. But as you said, you know, without people like that, football clubs, soccer clubs, whatever, around the country, sports clubs, wouldn't survive. No, definitely not. You know, sometimes people might take them for granted, you know. Yeah. But it's only when they're gone, like you'd say, you know, what they gave to the club was irreplaceable some some of them are just irreplaceable like they it takes two or three people to fill their position they did so much yeah. for the club and it became their you know it was their life really like people like Finbar and well they live for it and I suppose clubs like Cork City benefited from it but uh, you know they'll never never be forgotten not for me anyway no or not me you take care you'll have lots of sports going on and I I try and listen every now and again and I follow you on Twitter to see what you're up to because uh, make great friends in Cork and it's great to kind of keep in contact with them and, and still be friends with them yeah definitely thanks for having me on and it was great to catch up again uh, Denise because we had great times as you said and uh, show more to come with the goal that goes I'm sure we bump into one of the matches uh, somewhere along the line exactly please God listen you take care Trevor and thanks for this mm-hmm.